time. Our analysts break down fights, bring you pre-bout predictions and previews, plus talk all things MMA, from the UFC to Bellator, and every show in between. If it's a fight, we have you covered. Are you ready? Baseline Times presents Josh Thomas and Cody Gwynn with Baseline MMA. Cody, this weekend, can can you believe it's here finally? It's crazy. It feels like it's uh, one of those things that sort of people slept on and didn't really know it was coming, and then boom, here we are, Fight Island, UFC 254. You know, I don't even – of course I want to talk in detail about this main event, but it really wasn't until today, Josh, that we were kind of talking pre-show this is a really good all-around card. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. When we when we finally pulled up this fight card in front of us, I mean, we're just – you know, I, I know there was a lot of rumors they wanted to get Poirier and Connor on this fight. You know, they wanted to do more with this this card than they, they did. But, man, I mean, looking at it from top to bottom, uh, you know, there's, there's – you know, the main card. You know, you start off with Qutalaba and Ankalev. Finally, you get, well, I, I don't want to, I don't want to curse that. So maybe, we just, <laughs> right. maybe we should skip that one. But I mean, you've got guys like Walt Harris and Alexander Volkov, the always killer, the thriller, Jared Cannonier, man, against the Reaper, Robert Whitaker, one of my favorites. Uh, and even the prelim card, Cody, you, you mentioned it before we got started uh, uh, recording. I completely forgot. Ty Toivasa is back doing a shoey against Stefan Struve. Uh, super ex- exciting guy in Nathaniel Wood, Cowboy Oliveira. Come on, man, Sam Alvey. This is this is it's one of those cards that you you often dream of, but they don't really you know you're you're skeptical. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of good fights. Cowboy Oliveira fighting a pretty good prospect in uh, uh, Shavkat Rachmanov, another guy from the Khabib camp. Sam Alvey's fighting Janoon, who's another up and coming light heavyweight. Wood and Kenny is probably going to be your fight of the night. That's going to fly under the radar on the prelim and tied to also was released. I mean, he put everything on Instagram said he was cut from the organization. We've seen a lot of guys kind of get pulled back though, due to the uh, pandemic UFC, you know, just trying to keep their roster solid so they can fill in fights where they need to. Stefan Struve, of course, a long time guy in the heavyweight division. Uh, one fight that's really under the radar on, on this show, man, you mentioned it on this card, uh, Alexander Volkov and Walt Harris, where I would like to start, you know, Walt Harris, Uh, had a terrible tragedy in his life. And it seemed like, you know, when he was about to fight Alistair Overeem, there was so much talk about everything going on in his personal life and with the tragedy that, I mean, it almost, of course it made you cheer for Walt Harris, but it was almost like there is just no way that this guy's focused for a cage fight. There's just no way. And you're going in there against Alistair Overeem and, you know, make no mistake about it. Overeem has been chin-checked and I personally thought Overeem might get chin-checked in this fight. Uh, but, you know, Walt Harris, of course, was not all in in that fight because there's too many things on on the man's mind. And honestly, you know, took that fight probably to get his mind off of everything going on at home. Uh, but in the end, Alistair Overeem gets a big win. Of course, we've seen Overeem get a few wins that we weren't expecting him to get. He's on the rise. Uh, now, Walt Harris has had a, a, a little while longer to, you know, again, not going to change the fact that he was in a terrible tragedy. But... He's had a little bit more time now. Is fighting Alexander Volkov, who is long, rangy, talented, a uh, guy who was winning that fight against Derek Lewis before just a huge punch, end up finishing him. He's got a big record of 31-8. and eight. Uh, The heavyweight division, a bit of a mess right now. We're trying to figure out when the UFC will book uh, Stipe against Naganu. Of course, John Jones is kind of the asterisk named in that heavyweight division. Uh, but this is still a pretty important fight when you look at the scale of the heavyweight division. And uh, you wonder how Walt Harris will game plan for someone like uh, Volkov. Will he look to try to wrestle him and take him down like we've seen guys do to Volkov in the past, like Curtis Blades? Or uh, will we see this more of a standing affair with Walt Harris looking for the, the big punch knockout early, similar to what Derek Lewis had success with against Volkov in the third round? How do you see that big heavyweight fight going? Yeah, it, uh, it's one of those things. And, you know, props to Walt Harris for taking the fight against Alistair Overeem with everything going on. I'm with you 100%. I, can, I, I even said that during the walkout, I said, there's no way that his mind is, is anywhere near this cage right now. And, you know, he had some early success against Overeem, but Overeem used that veteran status. You know, Overeem's been around for a long time. He kind of used that OG knowledge that he has. 
you know, you were mentioning Alexander Volkov's record, 31 and eight. That guy's almost had 40 fights. I'm kind of thinking it might go the same way. You know, I hate to ever count Walt Harris out, uh, especially uh, seeing as how Curtis Blades really laid out the blueprint on how to handle Alexander Volkov correctly and just really shut him down. I would hope that Walt Harris would use a grappling heavy uh, attack, but at the same time, you know, Volkov does have a lot of experience coming into this fight. Uh, and we've kind of seen him use that experience against guys like Greg Hardy before. Uh, you know, you were right. He was winning, winning against Derek Lewis very convincingly before he just got kind of sparked out. So um, this is one of those fights where these guys are almost at a crossroads at the heavyweight division, right? Where they're, they're both kind of trying to, to crack into that, that, uh, that next level, you know, so this is a very much needed fight at heavyweight. Uh, and I hate to do it, but I'm going to have to pick against my guy, Walt Harris. And, and I'm just going to have to say that, that Volkov's knowledge and his experience alone might just be a little too much for, uh, for the, the Walt Harris. Yeah. I really like Alexander Volkov. I love the way he uses his range. He's got nasty knees. He's just a really good stand-up fighter. Uh, of course, he's got wins over Struve, Roy Nelson, uh, against Fabricio Verdum, the Greg Hardy fight. Uh, the, the one loss that stands out, you know, that Derek Lewis fight, because, I mean, again, Volkov was really in full control of that fight, and then Lewis came out in the third round and, I mean, did not throw a jab, did not throw a leg kick, didn't throw a body shot. Haymakers. Only threw overhands and finally would landed, and that was the, the end of the fight. And then the blueprint fight with Curtis Blades, who is hard to beat, you know, unless you knock him out in the first 20 seconds. We've learned that. Uh, but Curtis Blades was able to grind that fight out, did get caught a couple times when Volkov was able to get some strikes off. But in the end, that was you know a big win for Curtis Blades. But this is a good chance for Volkov to get right back into things against Walt Harris. Uh, I agree. I think Volkov would be the favorite in this fight. But I do think Walt Harris uh, may rely a little bit more on his size and his power and may try to wrestle Volkov similar to what we've seen in that Curtis Blades fight. You know, Josh, you mentioned the co-main event, Robert Whitaker, Jared Cannonier. Uh, in all purposes, most likely, of course, Jack Hermanson, sort of the one name that could also sneak in into the title pitcher. But good chance this could be a title eliminator in the middleweight division. Jared Cannonier has looked absolutely phenomenal of late. He's been out for a little bit of time, uh, but nonetheless, he returns. He's at three straight wins. Jack Hermanson, Anderson Silva, David Branch, all TKO wins for Jared Cannonier. At middleweight, this dude's been a killer but he's fighting the former champion and Robert Whitaker, who's got some great fights on his record, had that big win against Darren Till not too long ago. A pretty quick turnaround for Whitaker. Good to see he's staying healthy and had a good camp. He's ready to go. I mean, this is, this is a, you know, a pretty marquee fight before we get to the lightweight title fight. You know, Robert Whitaker got caught by Adesanya, you know, essentially trading punches, ended up getting tagged pretty good there. I know that's a rematch Whitaker's interested in. I know Whitaker has a, you know how Whitaker is. He's such a good guy. His trash talk always uh, is usually him talking highly about Asanya's skill and saying, I don't like the guy. Uh, but it's a fight. I would <laughs> I would honestly love to see that fight again. Uh, but Jared Kennedy, I mean, if he could get another TKO finish, there's no way to, to deny him a title shot. Yeah, and I, I like what you said about Robert Whitaker's trash talk. It, it does kind of fall flat sometimes. I got such a nice guy. <laughs> he is. Um, you know, I, I'm going to say this. You know, I like Jared Cannonier. I think he is very exciting middleweight. Very dangerous. Do you remember when Rob Whitaker made his title run? You know, he, he banked, uh, you know, a prime Derek Brunson, you know, Jacare Souza. Uh, then, you know, absolutely the two wars with Yoel Romero. I mean, this guy, he's a nasty guy when he's healthy and he's, he's you know, 100% put together and he's ready. Uh, I, I'm going to pick Robert Whitaker in this, man. I, I really like the Reaper. I like I liked his title run to the title, the title fights. I'm with you. I think he got caught against Adesanya. I think he got a little lazy and uh, tried, he tried to brawl with a guy who Adesanya will brawl with you, but he, he will technically brawl with you. He's not, he's not one of these guys that just Cody Garbrandt and just sits in the pocket and just starts throwing, you know, spamming right hooks. This is a guy who is very calculated, even in moments of chaos. And, and Robert Whitaker, I think he just got caught. You know, he was coming off a long layoff. Uh, this Robert Whitaker, though, fresh off a win over over an always game Darren Till. People talk a lot of trash about Darren Till, but that guy is always game. Yes, you know, so Robert Whitaker's coming off a huge win, and I I just I'm gonna have to go with Robert Whitaker over uh, over Cannonier. It's it's one of those things. Cannonier's been off for a minute. 
Uh, Robert's kind of been a little bit more active. And, uh, you know, I just have this sort of nostalgic feeling seeing Robert Whitaker in middleweight title fights. Yeah, I like Robert Whitaker here too. I, I look at that middleweight division, and it's hard to really put your finger on where you go. Uh, you know, I think Paulo Costa, I thought Paulo Costa would be a little bit more of a threat or at least a little bit more competition for Asanya, and Israel had easy time with that. And then from there, the division's really kind of hard to, to figure out. I mean, you got Kelvin Gaslam, who gave Adesanya his toughest fight, coming off back-to-back losses to Darren Till and Jack Hermanson. Hermanson at the fight, Till. Till's coming off that loss to Whitaker. So in my mind, really, Whitaker is still the clear-cut top guy in the division outside the champion. So Whitaker's really fighting for that spot, fighting to stay that number two guy. Uh, and I really think that Jared Kennanier will have to win this fight by first round or second round TKO uh, because anywhere else the fight goes, and I know Whitaker just did an interview where he said he felt he was better across the board than than Jared Kennanier. But I do think, you know, Kennanier is always going to have a puncher's chance. He's really good at finding the chin of his opponents. And you mentioned it, Whitaker cannot get caught up in a brawl. And that was what he did so good against Darren Till. Till is such a good fighter. And Till is another guy who does a really good job at just putting combinations together and finding chins. And Whitaker fought a great game plan. Uh, the guys, you know, it was a really competitive fight. And, you know, Darren Till is a guy who's, you know, sometimes it's overzealous, similar to what we've seen from Whitaker against Adesanya. Uh, both guys, though, kept their distance, exchanged shots. was such a fun fight. I think if Whitaker uses his striking, stays on the outside, lands, you know, picks and pops against Cannoneer, I think he can get a big win. Not sure if he can finish Jared Cannonier at middleweight, depending on uh, how Cannonier looks. I'm excited to see him at weigh-in. Uh, two guys, I'm, you know, both guys, I'm excited to see how they look at weigh-ins. Uh, but I do agree. I think Robert Whitaker is in a great position. Like I said, it's just so good to see him have a quick turnaround. I think the more active Whitaker is, the better he'll be. I think a lot of times when you get stuck taking those long layoffs, especially when you're having surgery in between those layoffs or, or during those layoffs, uh, that's always going to really change the way you enter fights. Good to see him right back at it here against Cannonier. A uh, big fight, and I think Whitaker can get the win here and move on to fight Adesanya potentially again. I know there's already talk about Adesanya fighting 205 or whatever, but I do. Th- I would love to see Adesanya Whitaker part two and see how that fight would play out a second time. Uh, that's a fun fight, but you know, Josh. Without further ado, let, let's get right to it, man. The main event: all the marbles, undisputed lightweight title. Interim champion, King of Violence, Justin Gagey uh, against the 28-0. and zero. Barely ever lost a round, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, this is a huge fight. I've seen all sorts of people, of course, the traditional uh, striker versus grappler. Very key to remember that Justin Gagey does have sort of that reverse wrestling where he can keep you know off the ground, can use the cage to get up, uh, very strong hips. Uh, also key to remember that Khabib is not human. Khabib does not have normal wrestling. <laughs> uh, Khabib has fought all these guys that have the reverse wrestling or the jujitsu or the great technical standup, and none of it has ever mattered. Josh, am I, and I, you know, you mentioned earlier you're a big Gagey fan. Justin Gagey is uh, probably my favorite fighter currently in today's UFC. I would never miss a Gagey fight, no matter where he was fighting. He's fighting at 4 a.m. over in Hong Kong. I'd wake up and watch it. Gagey, to me, is the one. Justin Gagey's up there. I would say the only other fighter close to be maybe like a John Jones fight because, I mean, he's just it's just so fun to watch. I would hate to miss it. Uh, that's how I feel about Justin Gagey. But am I crazy to feel deep down in my loins, although I hate it? Am I crazy to feel that this is – just another day in the office for Khabib. Justin Gaethje, round three, TKO. Whoa. I've made some bold predictions on this podcast. Mm-hmm. I said I said that Cheeto Vera would beat uh, Sean O'Malley. I said Got it Brian right. Would, I said Brian Ortega would beat the Korean Zombie. Got it right. I said Stipe would beat DC. Okay. I'm, I'm 100%. And I, dude, I love Khabib. I have these days where I'll be in jujitsu and I'll just start going full Khabib and doing Dagestani hand jobs. You know, I'll wrap these legs up, I'll sit on them, and then I'll just start pulling at your wrist until I can get you where I need you. He is truly, uh, without a doubt, probably the best grappler in mixed martial arts. Without a doubt. I mean, uh, there, of course, Brian Ortega just recently fought, so we can say Brian Ortega is one of the best grapplers in the world, but he's, he's missing the takedown portion, you know. Uh, Damian Maya, you know, a guy that can really put it all together, uh, you know, takedowns and, and grappling, you know, he's definitely up there. 
Um, even DC, you know, DC world-class wrestling, excellent jujitsu. Khabib stands out though, as the standalone best grappler in mixed martial arts. Um, I think the reason I'm picking Justin Gaethje is because I've been watching a lot of Khabib lately. You know, if you watch, if you, if you guys have fight pass and you turn on uh fight pass 24 seven, it's like a little uh, thing on the homepage where fight pass will just play in the background of your, of your television. And you, you can kind of go on about your day, but you can watch a lot of really cool fights and they show some kind of older stuff. Well, they sometimes pick days where they'll pick a certain fighter. And uh, two days ago they picked Khabib. And so I had it on, I'm watching all these older fights, you know, Gleason T-Bow and, uh, the, you know, the Tavares fight. I'm watching the Michael Johnson fight. Uh, the Michael Johnson fight was very intriguing to me because Michael Johnson didn't step backward. He walked forward. He threw uh, really quick hands. And really, you know, Michael Johnson has some scary power at 155. You know, it's, he's one of the most underrated guys that's ever been at 155, you know. Uh, even put the lights out on Dustin Poirier when Poirier was making a historic uh, rise at 155. So Michael Johnson's very deadly. He, he wobbled Khabib, though. For the very first time in, in Habib's career, we've seen him actually wobbled. Uh, we've seen him actually hurt. And it was because Michael Johnson didn't back up like most people that fight Khabib do because Khabib's usually the forward pressure. Michael Johnson, in turn, was walking Khabib down and, and throwing some strikes. And you can make the argument that Connor did the same thing and Connor had some early success defeating the takedowns. What Justin Gaethje brings to the table is Justin Gaethje is not going to back up right? Justin's going to kind of walk forward. It's kind of been proven that if Khabib can't get you against the cage, uh, where he kind of has the cage as like a little fulcrum for takedowns, then he does typically kind of struggle with takedowns. You know, we've seen guys like Ally Aquinta uh, shrug off the takedown in the center of the octagon, Gleason T-Bell, uh, and we've seen uh, Conor McGregor have success, all shucking off the takedown. They sprawl really good, really good hips. Uh, if they're in the center of the octagon. So Justin Gaethje's not going to back up, I don't think. And Justin Gaethje is also that perfect kind of psycho. He's almost like Jason, or uh, like, um, yeah, Jason Bateman in, in American Psycho, where he, there's something a little off about Justin Gaethje. Uh, I truly think he's going to walk forward. He has absolute hammers for fists. Uh, we've seen in his entire UFC run, I think it's altogether, what, seven or eight fights now? I think just seven. This will be his eighth. Um, we've seen this guy spend a total of 17 seconds on the ground. Uh, 12 of them were in the Michael Johnson fight in a scramble. The other, uh, the other five was when Eddie Alvarez, uh, dropped him in their fight and, and Eddie had to, had to throw the, the following punches, uh, you know, to finish the fight. So with that being said, I think, I think Justin's keys to victory, he's going to walk Khabib down. He's going to throw absolute hammers. Uh, he's going to stay kind of ready to sprawl, but there's also something weird about Justin Gaethje where he's almost that perfect kind of psycho where even if Khabib hits him, uh, which we do know Khabib has power, you know, he didn't drop uh, Conor McGregor, but I just think that Khabib's stand-up is not going to really hurt Justin the way it could potentially, you know, it hurt Ally Quinta or it, it, it set up takedowns in the, the Conor fight. I think it's going to be a very different matchup. You know, you've seen Dustin Poirier have some some success on the feet against Khabib, and uh, Khabib kind of bum-rushed him and took him down shortly after. I just think this is a very different fight against a guy who, you know, we make we make jokes all the time that Khabib isn't human. I don't really think Justin Gaethje's human. So I'm just under the impression it's going to be a little bit different. And then you have to wonder, and I hate to even bring this up, but the death of Khabib's father, you have to wonder how close that is on the brain and whether that's going to affect his mental preparations. Um, I would surely hope that that is not the case, uh, truly. And losing Khabib's father, he is an absolute MMA pioneer. Uh, but I'm a guy, I've actually lost my father, and I know the kind of mental toll that it, it would take on me in the the next year you know it it you know i've and i still have my moments where i kind of wrestle with it so um i think if a prime khabib and a prime justin gaethje shows up i think it's an absolute uh, meet in the middle kind of clash of heads almost but i think justin gaethje's power and he throws this combination really well where he'll throw the uh he'll throw this right cross and then follow it up with a left hook and i think this is absolutely perfect to maybe uh, maybe not drop Khabib at first, but maybe just really weather and tear on him a little bit. I'm sorry that was so that was so drawn out, but I was trying to. I have a lot of words in my head. I'm just trying to trying to spill them out here to kind of make this 
seem a little bit more uh, just so it makes sense a little bit more because when you say something like, oh, round three, TKO, Justin, people are going to be like, oh, what the fuck? And then you kind of explain that part. And then they're like, oh, okay, I can kind of see that. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I love the breakdown. Uh, you know how I am. I, I love the exact explanation and uh, I love the way you spilled it out. And man, when you, when you spill it out like that, you know, it plays out of my head except the one part and the one part was you said meet in the middle and the head clash because it's impossible when Khabib's head is already at your hips and I think it's impossible to walk a guy down who will shoot at any given time Uh, again I love Justin Gagey and I've I've seen his takedown defensive stats but I've also seen that his opponents have been Michael Johnson a brawler Eddie Alvarez a striker Dustin Poirier a striker James Fix a shitty striker Edson Barbosa a great striker Donald Cerrone a striker Tony <laughs> you, had to, you had to cut down James Vick really quick <laughs> sorry sorry James Vick and Tony Ferguson a a sort of wild striker so you know just engages UFC career at least and really even his World Series career he's never really fought someone with the sort of grappling like Khabib and really no one even close. He's never even been in there with a guy whose who's immediate game plan is to wrestle. And again, I would feel a little different if maybe somewhere in that mix of fights, Gagey had fought someone like a Kevin Lee. You know, That fight would be a great fight to base how this weekend would look because then we would know how Gagey would handle someone who was continuously on his hips. Uh, I've not seen ever you know gagey fight someone who's continuously on his hips so i wonder how he would handle it and look there's no doubt that when these two are both on their feet you know khabib's not going to give gagey much issue and there's a good chance khabib will and i do you know it's going to be and gagey said something in the press conference and it almost made me think that he was bluffing because they said i don't remember how they worded it but they asked sort of about his game plan fighting someone who's never been beaten who's never looked bad on film who's you know, just really this world beater. And Gagey said, I'm going to kick his legs and see what happens. And in my mind, I'm thinking, there's no way you come out with a game plan to let kick a guy who is trying to get you down because the one thing Khabib's going to do is sit on leg kick. Gagey's not a big head kick guy. He's barely ever thrown them. So really, you know, Khabib's going to have a low guard. Uh, he, you know, when it comes to kicking, of course, he'll have his shin tucked and everything when it comes to striking. But when it's time, when if Khabib reads leg kick, I mean, it's almost in my mind an automatic takedown uh, for Khabib, even if he has to eat the leg kick to get on the hips while Gagey's unbalanced. The way Gagey strikes, for anyone, in my opinion, to have success against Khabib on their feet for a, a longer period of time will have to be someone almost with really a, a steady base. And Gagey is a bit wild, and you know, he throws things off balance, which at times helps him. We've seen his off balance, though. I mean, the reason he lost to Eddie Alvarez was because he got off balance and pretty much slipped and fell into a nasty knee. I mean, that's really what happened. I mean, these two guys are having a brawl, and Alvarez somehow times the prettiest knee I've seen. Now, Poirier was able to stay in that fight and work Gagey down. Uh, there's no way I, I see could be really giving Gagey trouble on the feet. Uh, but, man, as much as I love Justin Gagey, I, I just don't know how in the world – for maybe more than a round, he can stay on his feet for longer than a minute. I, I really don't. And I think Khabib will go in there, have this new motivation of, uh, of course, you know, he's the champion. He's beat the key guys. He's beat McGregor. He's beat Poirier. He could care less about Tony Ferguson. That's really out the window now. His goal is to be the greatest of all time. And I think he's definitely now in that conversation, beating Justin Gagey. We'll further that conversation, and then we can get into the super fight talk uh, with Khabib. But I really think, and I hate it, man, because like I said, I'm a huge Justin Gagey fan, a huge Justin Gagey fan, but I just don't see anything watching all Gagey's fights and watching all Khabib's fights that would make me think that this will be any different than the Dustin Poirier fight. I really think this fight this weekend almost looks like a replay. I think Gagey comes out. Maybe he lands a few strikes. Maybe he has a little success. Maybe he has a little success in the middle of the fight somewhere. Maybe the start of the third round, or maybe he gets back to his feet late in the third round or late in the fourth round and is able to pin some strikes together and kind of get Khabib backing up. But I think in the end, a wrestler is always going to have the ability to get you back down. And you got to remember, Khabib's not just a wrestler. I mean, when we're talking top control, 
best of all time. We're talking the ground and pound positioning, best of all time. Ability to get your back, maybe one of the best of all time. Ability to absolutely smother you, best of all time. Uh, I love Justin Gagey. I just don't think he will have the ability. I will say the one thing that intrigues me a little bit is the fact that Justin Gagey spent a lot of time training with Kamara Usman. I do think there will be a time or two he's going to be able to get back to his feet. Uh, but I do think Khabib just – there's just too – he's just too accurate on his takedowns. I mean, he does not have really any bad takedowns. If he goes for it, he's going to get you in some way, shape, or form. Even if you sprawl, he has the ability to somehow go from that position to being in a more dominant position. So uh, I, would, I, would almost, I would almost cheer for your method and hope that the way you envision it actually happens. But I do think that Khabib gets this win – uh, Gagey's tough as they come. I think this is a decision. I, I think Gagey may be in trouble. Referee may warn Gagey a time or two to improve his position because Khabib's going smash mode. I think there's just a lot. I mean, there's a lot on the line for Khabib. He wants that greatest of all time status. Uh, you mentioned the death of his father. I think it's it's been it's you know if this fight would have been a few months ago, I'd almost worry that we're almost kind of like we were in the Walt Harris situation where there's no way to be fully focused. I think it's been, it's sort of been the time now where it's almost motivation for Khabib. I mean, he's going to fight this fight maybe, you know, for his father in honor of his father. Uh, I mean, that's, that's not good for Justin Gagey. I think this will be a motivated Khabib, a top tier Khabib, uh, one of the best versions we've ever seen um, since the Conor McGregor fight. And uh, then he'll move on to whatever's next. I, I don't know if the GSP fight ever happens, uh, I don't know if there will ever be another Khabib fight. You never know with a guy like this uh, when his time will come to just call it quits when there's just nothing else left. And right now, I mean, there's really not too much else left in that lightweight division. But uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Nurmagomedov. I'm gonna take decision. Uh, I, I would not be mad if I was wrong. I would definitely not be mad if your method comes true. I know I'm not really picking anything crazy here. That's that's you know kind of as as bland as it gets. Uh, but I do think it, it's it's Khabib, and it's the same way he's done it for years. I, I think it's I think it's the same style of fight. Let me ask you two questions. Okay. Um, the first one would be the fact that Justin Gaethje throws leg kicks uh, at times from very close range, right? So when you think about Muay Thai fighting. Uh, you or even stand up kickboxing, you think that there's four ranges of fighting, right? Your number four range would be where both fighters can't really land a punch, but they can land kicks, right? So you're right. in kicking range. Uh, number three would be kicking range and boxing range, where you can you can land your kicks, you can land your punches. Uh, number two would be your your knee uh, and your elbow range. You're really tight, dirty boxing. And number one, of course, would be your clinch, right? So let's just say for for all intents purposes. Justin Gaethje can land these leg kicks from the three. He can land from punching range. He can land them from the clinch and he can land them from this little dirty boxing range. Do you think that, that if he picks the right time to throw these leg kicks, do you think that he can maybe hurt Khabib's legs and maybe, maybe just slow him down a little bit? Because that's kind of the thing we've seen with Khabib is he just really, you know, we were talking earlier about Max Holloway drowning people. Khabib really does drown people with this weird forward pressure. But do you think if he has somebody like Gagey who's threatening with these huge, these overhand rights, these these really tight, almost monstrous left hooks, and then these just absolute killer leg kicks, do you think that that might throw Khabib off of his game plan? And then the question that I wanted to ask after this, and you can answer them however you, you feel, uh, Let's say that this is the last time we see Khabib, whether Justin Gaethje wins the title, whether Khabib wins the title. Let's say that this could be the last time we see Khabib. Where do you think the lightweight division goes without Khabib? Uh, the first question, I really think Gaethje cannot, and I mean cannot, get in a one or two range with Khabib. I, I just think that's uh, – I mean, that has to be – and I know Gagey's a great dirty boxer. He's got beautiful knees at the middle. You know he's got great elbows, but I think that's just too risky. You have to stay at your striker's distance. Now, a three will work. Of course, he can definitely throw You know the one-two kick combination that everybody knows. I think that'll be Gagey's bread and butter uh, to disguise his kicks with hooks even. I think, though, once you run the risk of trying to get in a one or two, the only time we may see the one or two come into play is if we move into the fourth round or the, even the fifth round in a fight that Khabib's dominating. 
then maybe Gagey's camp and uh, Trevor Whitman gets in there and goes, you know, we're, we're going to lose on the scorecards. Get That's in close. Hail Mary. Yeah, get in close yeah. and try to land, you know, maybe a kick and get his guard to drop, try to throw an uppercut or a knee or a knee up high through the middle and try to get a, a finish like that. But I think first round, the last thing you want to do is actually let Khabib get his hands on you. And for, for Gagey to move into a one to try to land a kick from that clinch or even try to land his, his beautiful dirty boxing where he throws those hooks right to your ear and those uppercuts, uh, I, I just think that there's, there's too much risk and not enough reward in, in the first or second round. So I would think that, you know, Gagey's, like I said, I really think the, uh, the leg kick comment at the press conference was almost, you know, smoke and mirrors. I, I think that was his way of saying, uh, hey, Khabib, I'm going to kick you. And Khabib maybe switches up his guard or something, and Gagey may blitz or come out something like that. That's kind of how I took it. Uh, the lightweight division, man, this fight's interesting for, for that reason, depending on what happens here. Khabib, or excuse me, Gagey winning would drastically change this lightweight division because there are still a lot of fun fights for him. And don't get me wrong, I, we all love Khabib. Khabib's a legend, but I, I just don't have any interest to see rematches. I mean, he handled Poirier. He handled McGregor. I don't have any reason to think that he wouldn't handle Tony Ferguson or he wouldn't handle a Charles Oliveira or a Dan Hooker. So I, I, I really don't have any interest in those three matches. I would be 100% all in on a Justin Gagey, Dustin Poirier rematch. I would be all in on Justin Gagey against a Conor McGregor. Shoot, I'd be all in on Gagey, Paul Felder, or Gagey, Oliveira. All those fights would be fun. Gagey's never in a bad fight. So Gagey winning is huge for the lightweight division. Khabib winning uh, it kind of puts the division in a weird place. It becomes where no one's going to really care much about what Khabib is doing. So we really move all in to Connor versus Poirier, and it almost becomes the make-believe title fight uh, if the UFC gets that done. Now, if Khabib retires, that sort of changes everything and puts the division wide open. Wouldn't even be surprised. If, I mean, say Khabib wins this fight and gets on the mic and says, uh, this will be my last fight. I mean – you know, the UFC will make Poirier against Connor for the title. I mean, that's going to happen almost instantly. So there's different ways the lightweight division can go. It's almost, I really do think, you know, Khabib beating Gagey is, it clears the division. It does what Anderson Silva did. It did what GSP did. It did what John Jones did. It's everybody. Every name has been checked off. Tony Ferguson, maybe have a little asterisk next to his name. But since Gagey beat the crap out of him, if Khabib beats the crap out of Gagey, I can go ahead and check Ferguson's name too. That fight intrigued me, but now I'm kind of over it, and I don't even really feel the need to see it. So uh, there's no one else at lightweight that that intrigues me against Khabib. So uh, the division's in a weird place there. You know, it's always weird when you clean out a division, and I think after this weekend, uh, that'll that'll really do it for me. That's every name with a check mark. So uh, then you you know you move to super fights. You you wonder what Khabib does, and we all know he wants GSP. How do you even make that fight? Khabib's going to have to move up. And that's the one thing Khabib's camp never talks about. You never hear. And, Josh, you may have heard this. I've, I've just never heard it. Uh, you would think Khabib would be more talkative about the potential of a 170 fight. I mean, you know, who's the welterweight champion? It's another great wrestler in Kamara Usman. You've got to think there's some mutual interests for, you know, possibly Khabib to fight someone like Usman. But you just don't ever hear about that. And then, you know, GSP – I don't even know how intrigued I am by that because GSP's a bit older now. His legacy's really intact. I mean, you'd hate to see GSP become almost like Anderson Silva and just come back at these random times for really nothing. So I, I don't know, man. I, the lightweight division's going to keep rolling, especially if Connor and Poirier is legit happening, which it does seem like it's getting close. So I'm not worried about the lightweight division. I do wonder what happens if Khabib wins and does not intend to retire. That's when I wonder, um, you know, if, if we start seeing some crazier things sort of happen, possibly even, and God, I know we all hate it, but, you know, if Khabib's back on sort of a hiatus waiting for this GSP fight, I mean, we may have another interim title fight less than six months after this weekend. I, I really can see that actually happening. I'm with you, and I think, 
I think the reason we don't ever hear about Khabib maybe potentially talking about moving up is because Khabib is a, a, a bit of a bigger uh, lightweight, but I think he would kind of be undersized at welterweight, and that's kind of my biggest fear with guys moving up. You know, we kind but of you're, but you're twenty nine and zero. I mean, you got to do something. Yeah. Yeah, I and see. This is where I was about to make the argument for the one sixty-five pound division. Mm, yeah, I think he would fit perfectly in there, uh, and that could even be something that might interest George St. Pierre. But I'm with you; I have no interest in seeing that fight. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack for this weekend, and the the um, the end result that we get from this weekend impacts every single weight class in one way, shape, or form, you know, all the way from, you know, you're looking at your, your co, your co-main event at middleweight. That's essentially a number one contender matchup. Your fight at heavyweight is potentially going to move the, the, the top five along into who's getting the next title shot, uh, et cetera. And, you know, you've got at light heavyweight, Kudalaba and Ankalov, you know, this is kind of going to determine who's that, that kind of next prospect to kind of start moving forward at a, at a bit of a stale uh, light heavyweight division. And then even on the undercard, man, you know, Oliveira, I've been wanting to see Cowboy Oliveira start entering into the, the welterweight top 15. He's been super active this year. And then the fight right after that, Nathaniel Wood and Casey Kinney, man, Casey Kinney put on a clinic in his last fight. Uh, Nathaniel Woods always super game. It's, this is kind of a telling fight at Bantamweight as well. Yeah, so, I mean this the the fallout from this card is going to be absolutely momentous in almost every single weight class. You know, of course, I I keep dancing around it, um, but you know, you've got Lauren Murphy on the card as well. <laughs> she she's one of those people um, at at women's flyweight. You know, we've kind of been talking about this women's flyweight division the last couple of weeks being kind of stale, but you know, there is. Uh, the prospective option of Lauren Murphy kind of moving up towards uh, maybe not title contention, but certainly moving up the rankings. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's yeah. definitely this is one of those cards that that it's going to have a lot of fallout. Um, and it's it's I mean hell, the early prelims start at 11 a.m. The prelim, the actual prelim card starts at 12, and of course the main card starts at two. Cody. We live on the East Coast. This is a dream come true for us, man. Oh, man, I'm so excited. I'm not even going to lie to you. Uh, I like, like we talked about before the show, I mean, obviously back in the day, I had no problem staying up till 1.30 a.m. to watch a main event fight. Sort of looked forward to it. You know, everyone's asleep. I'm by myself. I got some leftover pizza. I'm chilling, watching a fight at 1.30 in the morning, two sweaty dudes beating the crap out of each other. I mean, there's nothing better. It was awesome in, <laughs> in my early 20s. Now, sort of later in life, you know, I go to work every morning at 5.30 a.m., so I just sort of look forward to when I start. I mean, even last week when that main card started at 8, so, you know, Ortega and Zombie, I think that fight started like at 9.30. Dude, I was so good. I was so pumped. It was such a good time for a fight. Of course, 2 o'clock is a little bit weird. I mean, it just feels weird to be watching a fight at that time. Uh, I have no issue with it. I have literally zero problem with uh, this fight. Because, I mean, you know, doing the math in my head, if it's a six-fight main card, you're probably looking at, at what, about a 5, 5 o'clock, 5.30 uh, main event. So I, I think that's pretty perfect. And, uh, you know, you have your night ahead of you. And one of the cool things about it is uh, the discussion. You know, I love hopping on uh, Twitter and social media and seeing what the smart people are saying. I even like looking at what the dumb people are saying. It's fun to see the uh, <laughs> the fallout of big shows like this. And usually I'm on Twitter laying in bed, you know, trying to turn down my, my light setting real low to see what everybody's saying at 3 o'clock in the morning. Now I'll get to do it around 7, 8 p.m. So that's really one of the best parts. I'm excited for that. But, uh, no, I'm with you, man. I, I love it. I love the early start time. I get that it's going to mess up some people's Saturday schedule, especially, you know, college football fans. And I see where Dana said uh, the, what do you say, the card was trending to be one of the biggest of all time. And uh, I get it. He's the promoter. But that's sort of baffling to me because I feel like a lot of those people talking about the fight still don't know. And I bet there's people listening to this show, Josh, that don't know 
that this show starts this early. So hopefully people hear this and they, you know, understand that uh, this is not going to be a, a 10 o'clock pay-per-view. You know, if you're going to watch this, if you're going to order the pay-per-view, uh, you're going to miss some college football, man, because it's, it's going to be right dead smack in the afternoon. So I'm excited. I know it'll mess up some schedules, but uh, I got zero issue with it. If the UFC wanted to do this, you know, every couple of months would have zero problem with it. We're kind of noticing they're doing it. You know, the last time they done something this early was Khabib and Dustin Poirier in Abu Dhabi. So, um, you know, maybe hopefully Khabib sticks around if, if they're going to keep doing this kind of treatment, you know. Um, I'm with you, though. I love getting on Twitter immediately after a fight, especially, Cody, especially after uh, a fighter like Brian Ortega, who we started the show talking about. Uh, when somebody like him comes back off a good layoff and they have an excellent performance – or even a Tiafimo Lopez versus Vasily Lomachenko fight where people are, are they're audibly upset about the scorecards and they take to Twitter. You know, I love going and seeing some of those hot takes uh, immediately after a fight night. It's, it's almost become kind of like a routine for us now. You know, even when, when Abu, or uh, I'm, excuse me, when Fight Island was full swing and we were getting Monday, Wednesday, <laughs> Saturday cards, you know, we were still up late at night checking Twitter, seeing, uh, you know, the fallout and seeing what's been going on, you know, so it's, it's been a very interesting time, but I'm all for an early start time. You get it done. You get it out of the way. Uh, everybody remember, if you are going to be drinking, do not drink and drive, call yourself an Uber, call a friend, call your mom, uh, call somebody, but do not start drinking at 2 PM and, and be absolutely trashed by five when the, the, the Gaethje Khabib fight starts. Uh, but Cody, we have started this segment the last couple of shows where uh, – are you calling them the midnight fights? Where, yeah, the yeah mid, I like that. The midnight fights, man, because this is uh, – I used to do this all the time. If I couldn't sleep, I, I'd hop on uh, uh, Fight Pass or ESPN Plus, and I'd always just put on uh, – I actually used to put on the full pay-per-views because, you know, you can watch the uh, yes. the old-school full pay-per-views, and I used to see fights I didn't see. So, yeah, I just – I labeled it midnight fights. I really like that, and I would like uh, I would like you to do the honors of leading uh, leading us off to bat uh, this evening, if you do not mind. Oh yeah, no problem. Look, man, uh, I feel bad because, like I said, Justin Gagey, one of my favorite fighters. So uh, you're gonna have to do a little research here, probably more of a YouTube thing because it's not a, a UFC fight. Uh, but man, go back to some of Gagey's older days. Now, Gagey has been in some brawl style fights before where he's fought into the later rounds. So if you want to go back in time, Luis Palomino was the guy he fought uh, back in the early days of World Series of Fighting. I think it was yes. World Series of Fighting uh, 19. I fought him twice. He fought him once in March of 2015, and then they fought again in September. Uh, the first fight was crazy. It was an all-out brawl. Uh, Palomino actually sort of drug him to the ground a few times, but Gagey always able to get back to his feet, ended up finishing him with such a, a, a ruthless display of punches and leg kicks, punches and leg kicks. It was a nasty finish. Uh, I like the first fight better than the second fight, but they're both just all-out brawls. So if you're looking for a little bit more of some wild Justin Gagey than just the highlights you see, uh, from the UFC, I would definitely hop on YouTube and go look at the old World Series of Fighting because uh, he, he's always been this way. This is not a, a new thing of the UFC. Dude has been putting on these styles of fights literally since he first started. So uh, that, that would be one of my midnight fights is go look up some old school Justin Gagey, the World Series of Fighting Justin Gagey because you can't go wrong there. And you mentioned you you mentioned Louise Palomino. Louise is a veteran. It's been around for a while. And when I was doing my work for BKFC, he was working himself up the rankings. He is now the bare knuckle fighting championship lightweight champion. Oh. Uh, so Luis Palomino is still very relevant. Still they're they're trying to book him versus Jim Allers right now, a Florida uh, you know, Florida icon. But I like that. I love those those World Series of Fighting uh Justin Gaethje fights. They are complete chaos, man. I mean, you don't get any more chaotic than, than WSOF Justin Gaethje. And, and I remember, uh, Cody, being quite frank with you, being in the locker rooms before I would go out and fight. And I would always, you know, I'd grab a phone and I would just, uh, just kind of go to YouTube and try to relax and watch somebody else's uh, concentrated violence. And it was always Justin Gaethje's World Series of Fight run that really got me going. Um, but I'm going to throw it back. Uh, and, you know, we mentioned him at the top of the hour, and he is almost the, the asterisk at the top of the heavyweight division as to why we are not moving forward. 
Uh, so I'm throwing it back to UFC 165, John Jones versus Alexander Gustafson. Uh, Cody, you know just as well as I did, this is an absolutely momentous fight. Uh, John Jones and Alexander Gustafson took each other to the limit that night. Uh, and a lot of people actually scored Gustafson winning that fight. John Jones scored an absolutely incredible spinning back elbow that might have changed the complexity of the fight uh, afterwards, you know. And we're riding this kind of train. I've seen ESPN uh, share that Brian Ortega spinning elbow quite a few times now. So this is the original uh, BMF spinning back elbow, if you will. Uh, absolutely close, close fight, though. It projected both men to a new stardom, and you know, uh, they they had a poll of who should be on the cover of, of EA Sports UFC video game, and and John Jones and Alexander Gustafson both won, so they both ended up on the uh, on the cover of that game. Absolutely phenomenal fight. That might be one of my outside of Forrest Griffin and Stefan Bonner. That might be one of my favorite fights of all time. I loved that fight. That was a fight I watched live. Uh, and, and you were right, man, at the end of that fight, uh, John Jones landed everything really sealed the deal there. Cause I mean, I, he was sort of on his way to losing and Gustafson, man, you got to talk about a guy who has some close calls to be in champion, close calls. So close, man. He, you know, he had a very good performance against John in their first fight. And then he actually knocked down Daniel Cormier was, was inches away from, from snagging the title from, from DC, you know, Alexander Gustafson could be one of those fighters in that that Uriah Faber and that, that Joseph Benavidez kind of uh, echelon of best fighters to never win a title. Oh, yeah, 110%. And, you know, poor Gus always kind of hit, hit a wall in fights really shortly after those title fights. So uh, one thing just, you know, Gage – or excuse me, Gustafson, still thinking about Gage, Gustafson will always go down in history as, you know, the best to almost get it. Uh, earlier we were talking about Robbie Lawler, which made me think about some of his fights. And uh, You can't go wrong uh, with a Robbie Lawler fight. But, man, there used to be a promotion around called Elite XC that had a bunch of just yes. good fights. Uh, they used to go to Hawaii some because they were able to get away with a little bit more over there. But uh, one of the old Robbie Lawler fights that I really loved, this was when uh, he was shortly after his UFC run. He was fighting for Elite, and he ended up fighting uh, not Shogun, but Ninja Hua. And those two guys had a three-round battle. Robbie Lawler in the third round was able to finish him. Uh, that is a, a fun fight. Back in the early days of Elite XC, I think that was the Uprising show, uh, probably like 2008, 2007, somewhere around there. Uh, those guys headlined Elite XC, and that was when Lawler was, uh, was still – uh, at 185, this was before he had a – I believe he lost like four or five fights in a row shortly after this fight. Uh, but this is this is one of those good old Robbie Lawler brawls. He's only 25 in this fight. Uh, if you're looking for some good old-fashioned Robbie Lawler, not the Robbie Lawler really we're seeing today, uh, but the the old-school Robbie Lawler. He might even had a little hair in this fight. I don't remember. Uh, but him and him and Ninja Hua had a great fight. So that's that's something to look up. Yeah, uh, you're going to be very thrilled when, when I tell you this next. Elite XC is now on some people, uh, when you go or when you, when you fight past search some fighters, it will show some of their Elite uh, XC fights, actually. And Robbie Lawler just happens to be one of those guys. Oh, cool. I did not know this. See, I was, I was looking at, like, YouTube fights. I didn't know Elite XC was even on there. Yeah, yeah, Elite XC is on there. Actually, King of the Cage is on there, too. Um, my next fight, Cody, this is – probably one of the most brutal knockouts of all time. Uh, you know, we, we kind of stay consistently giving people these absolute wars to go check out. I'm going to give you a knockout this time. UFC 238, Cody, you probably already know what I'm going to say. Valentina Shevchenko, a girl we talked about uh, earlier, the queen of the flyweights, uh, took on the, at the time, number one contender, Jessica I, and killed her. The, uh, killed her. Killed her. <laughs> I mean, Cody, the way she threw those switch body kicks and just beat up Jessica I, and then the the switch head kick to finish it, or it might have been a regular, just a regular head kick, wasn't it? Yeah, because she was, she was, it was uh, just guy guarded her body, thought it was one hundred percent to her body. Yes, yes, Shevchenko just beat up Jessica I's body. Uh, that's the thing, man. Whenever you're fighting, you're doing stand-up fighting, you've got to mix it up because you get these subtle little reactions. And that's exactly what Valentina Shevchenko done. She got a reaction out of going to Jessica I's body and then went up top and just absolutely slept her. It's probably one of the most beautiful knockouts 
uh, a in women's MMA, but but in overall the entire history of, of MMA in general. I mean, it's absolutely brutal head kick knockout. Yeah, that one. And man, the sound, the sound Ooh. of the the sound of the body kicks was hurting me too. And I almost, I, I believe when I was watching that fight, I thought to myself, she's gonna finish her with body kicks. She's gonna land one or two more, and I is gonna just break because I mean, <laughs> I would have broke. I mean, those were hard body kicks, but perfectly timed kick and i just remember a the sound and i remember joe rogan not even doing his old like signature like he did his oh but it was so quick and he said she's out and i mean he you could hear it in his voice that he was like oh my god she just killed her because it was such a clean landed it right on the temple uh shevchenko not a chick you want to fight and just guy was uh an underdog no doubt but had earned that title shot pretty clear cut and it was just another one of those fights where it was pretty clear that Valentina was by far beyond every single uh, 125 or something that, that's still true today. That card was only about a little over a year ago. And looking back, that UFC 238 card was really good with Peter Yan beating Jimmy Rivera. Of course, that Tony Ferguson fight against Cerrone. And then uh, the fight we talked about earlier with uh, Marlon Moraes and Henry Cejudo, that's a fun fight to look back and watch too. So uh, speaking of, of midnight fights, if you need a midnight show, like I mentioned, you just want to turn on an old fight card, you'll see 238. You may just want to start that bad boy from the beginning. Uh, absolutely, man. And I'm going to finish my midnight fights with an actual card. So I'm glad that you, you just said that. Uh, I am offering up the UFC 189. It was July 11th, 2015. Uh, let me just, you know, start from the top of the main card. You know, you had Brad Pickett uh, taking on Thomas Almeida at, at Bantamweight. Uh, one of the last times we've seen Brad Pickett, actually, you know, Thomas Almeida got the, the TKO uh, round two. Then Gunnar Nelson submits Brandon Thatch. And then we start getting into some absolute violence. We got Jeremy Stevens bodying, absolutely bodying Dennis Bermudez. And then my number one greatest fight of all time, Robbie Lawler versus Roy McDonald, two. Uh, we all know how that fight went. An absolute war. Both guys just slinging blood all over the octagon. But, Cody, what gets better than that? You headline a card with Conor McGregor taking on Chad Mendez for the interim featherweight title. Uh, and we all know that was that was that that just blew McGregor into a, a newfound stardom after that, you know, taking on the always game Chad Mendez, who, uh, you know, before that he had dropped um, – he dropped Jose Aldo, you know, had two really good fights with Jose Aldo and just one of those guys, he's another one that's, that's really good. Probably one of the greatest fighters of all time to never win a title. Uh, and gave Connor a lot of trouble and, and Connor just pushed through with that, that fighting Irish spirit and, and ended up finishing Chad in the second round. So that is an absolutely incredible card. If you're looking to go back and, and, uh, and maybe, maybe just go back and see a part of the rise of Connor McGregor, but, B, see one of the greatest fights of all time. And uh, Cody, a little known fact about this this main card, every fight was finished. Not a single fight on the main card went to uh, went to a decision that night. Great card. I watched that bad boy at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Had a good time that night. Uh, I remember one thing. I remember the UFC did entrances for that main event. That was something new yes. they did. Uh, Connor walked out to the Foggy Dew, and they had the live performance there. And uh, Chad Mendes got a pretty cool entrance that night, too. So uh, always a good fight to look back on because you wonder, you know, Chad Mendes took that fight on short notice. That was supposed to be Aldo, I believe. And Mendez steps in on short notice and has a very good first round, a very good first round. Uh, always going to be one of those what ifs. If, if Mendez had a full camp, how that fight might have looked a little different. Always something to sort of keep in mind there. That was a, uh, yeah, that was a, a great night of fights. Jeremy Stevens, uh, you know, pinnacle of violence. He looked great. I love Gunnar Nelson. One of my favorite dudes to watch Just that karate, almost kind of like we talked about with Ryan Hall, obviously not on that level, uh, but with the way he mixes in the karate style striking, similar to McGregor, uh, similar to McGregor, right into some outstanding grappler. I love Gunnar Nelson's game, and that was just a fun night, man. You know what led the uh, the actual prelims off was a young Cody Garbrandt, man. Yep. And then then right after that to headline the prelim card, we got a fucking all violence. He's first team all violence, Matt Brown, man, with a submission win. Uh, so that's just an absolutely phenomenal card at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Uh, Cody, do you have do you have any more? Or are we? I think that's it, man. 
Uh, absolutely awesome, man. Um, I love doing the midnight fights because after, you know, every time we do these, I'll go in and I'll check out the ones that you do. Uh, and then sometimes I'll go back. Like I'm, I'm more than definitely going to turn on UFC 189 uh, and then probably probably go straight into 238 right after that. You know, it's just so nice catching up on on entire cards. You know, even when you know what's going to happen, it's still just just twice as good. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's me. There's a lot of times I've put on the playlist and just watched either full cards or even full Ultimate Fighters where just let those shows play out. I mean, that's – that's good times, and you know the UFC is looking to to bring back the Ultimate Fighter once the pandemic sort of sort of calms down. One thing I want to hit you with real quick before we leave: uh, Tony Ferguson just did an interview, and here's I just want to read you this quote. He said this about Khabib. He said, "Quote: I see fear in his voice if he thinks he has to talk bad about people. He can't put that shit in my head. I will fight Khabib at one point or another. He will see me before he retires. We'll make that a point." So Khabib. Uh, still got Ferguson gunning for him. Tony Ferguson's still 100% dead set on fighting Khabib somewhere down the line. So uh, I, I guess when I say clear out of the division, there's still a lot of people who for some reason feel a little intrigued by uh, the idea of Ferguson uh, against Khabib. Uh, to me, that ship has sailed, but still something Ferguson still gunning for. Uh, man, the fan in me wants to see it, but the human and the American citizen in me also worries that if they were to book that fight, an asteroid would hit the earth. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm, I'm at this point where I'm kind of take it or leave it. I want Tony Ferguson to fight, uh, one more time. You know, he had a, a momentous, uh, run, you know, 12, uh, 12, uh, 12 win streak. I'm sorry. I lost my words there for a moment. A 12 win streak, you know, going into that Justin Gaethje fight that was in a way you could argue it was short notice, you know? Um, but I would still like to see Tony maybe rebound from that before jumping in there with somebody like Khabib, especially if Khabib takes on Justin Gaethje this weekend and, and really, uh, puts on a good performance and, and beats Justin Gaethje. I would not be opposed to a K, uh, excuse me, a Charles Dubronx Oliveira taking on a Tony Ferguson and then potentially the winner of that fight. Um, you know, maybe if it is Tony, you know, maybe move forward with Tony as a number one contender after that. Or if, if Oliveira wins, you know, uh, maybe slide him in. Cause you, you did mention you didn't want to see any rematches with Habib and I'm under the same uh, impression. So maybe, maybe that's your, your number one contender fight next. It's, it's one of those things where a lot of people are going to see it differently. A lot of people are going to say, Oh, we have to respect Tony Ferguson. Uh, and let him finally have his crack at the legitimate title. Um, I don't know, man. I'm on the fence, but I'm certainly down for it. Yeah, I, I sort of look at it, you know, sort of how we started the show with Ortega. I mean, you know, such a one-sided loss that Ferguson had against Gagey. I mean, you you need a, a fight just to get back in the swing of things. Now, I love I love the fight against Dubronx Oliveira, and if Ferguson goes out there and wants to finish, you know, Oliveira then definitely he jumps back in the mix. But uh, I think Ferguson's probably a little ways away from, from getting back into title contention, you know, considering just how bad that loss was to Gage. I mean, that's, that's one of those losses that can change you, especially getting rid of Ferguson's been in the game a long time, been in a lot of hellacious fights. So you knew he'd catch up to him eventually. And uh, Gage, he just was, was pinpoint that night. The UFC recently uploaded uh, on, I think, Twitter, uh, video of Gagey landing some combos with no commentary and no sound at all except the cage sound. It is uh, it's a hard listen. I mean, it just it's it's pretty brutal. But uh, something to check out if you're a kind of crazy fight fan like we are. It's it, it's something to watch. <laughs> who uh, who uploaded that? Uh, I think the UFC did directly. It yeah, was just I, I love the marketing that they're doing for this fight, man. And uh... I, you mentioned earlier that uh, this fight is now trending. He was trending Monday higher than McGregor and Khabib. Those guys certainly deserve it. Um, absolutely incredible card, and it's headlined by two absolute warriors of the sport. Uh, get UFC 254 this Saturday. Remember, it is an early card, 2 p.m. main card start time, so you got to get in. If you want to watch these prelims, you got to get up and at them by 12 noon Eastern Standard. Cody, I don't know about you, man. I am, I am pumped. I can't even contain my excitement. I'm ready for it, man. Just make sure everybody wakes their lazy asses up because it's going to be early. Set the alarms if you're, if you're lazy. 
that's the big thing to remember because I know me a couple of years ago would have slept straight through the fight card. So make sure, <laughs> make sure everybody's ready to go. Man, Josh, it's been a fun time and we'll definitely break everything down because there's going to be even more to talk about next week. Looking forward to it, man. Absolutely, sir. Have a good night. Everybody, remember for the fights this weekend, do not drink and drive. And if you were going to place your bets, me and Cody laid out the fights for you. We hope you make some money. Have a good night. Cody, thank you as always. Yes, sir. Been fun. Make sure you listen in wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check us out next week for another edition of Baseline MMA. Good night. Thanks for listening to Baseline MMA. For written previews, recaps, and more, plus NBA, NFL, and other sports coverage, visit our website at BaselineTimes.com. Follow the Baseline MMA Twitter for live fight coverage every weekend. For TJ, Josh, and Cody, until next week, thanks for joining us on another episode of Baseline MMA.